We all grew up hearing the stories of the first Thanksgiving and putting on pageants in school. So much of it isn't just history. Some of it is legend. I hate to be the one to break the news to you, but the pilgrims, they did not wear buckles on their hats and on their shoes, which I think is a shame because I think that's a fashion statement that is just ripe for a return. I think that that's the next big one. I would invest in buckled hats if, uh, if I were you. I think it's coming back one of these days. We do know that the Mayflower landed in November of 1620. We know it landed and the settlers faced a harsh winter. And sometime after that, they had a harvest festival with the natives. They did not serve turkey. Uh, they served deer and vegetables, of course. And they served uh, shellfish, which I think is great, too. I think lobster for Thanksgiving might just be one of those traditions also that we could, we could bring back. I'd be okay with eating lobster on Thanksgiving. But it was two years after that, in 1623, that we have the first recorded feast for giving thanks. The prayers were offered, meals were shared with the natives, games were played, the pilgrims danced. They danced because apparently they weren't so stuffed watching, they didn't lay around and take naps and watch football games back then. So they actually got up and danced and they gave thanks. Now the story, of course, has been embellished a little bit here and there, and in some ways the tradition becomes more important than the truth to us. The fact is we do, we do continue to remember to give thanks. We share, and that has become central to our celebration. But when you think about it, there are so many other societies that have harvest festivals and so many other societies that have festivals of Thanksgiving and, and, and meals of Thanksgiving. And it is not hard to draw a line from 1620 New England all the way back to Egypt during the time of Moses and the exodus of the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt and the tradition of their feast of thanksgiving, their feast of remembrance, their feast known as the Passover. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We are in Psalm 136 today. If you haven't turned there yet, it's page 520 in those blue Bibles. Psalm 136 is a psalm of ascent. What does that mean? It is a psalm that was sung while ascending to the temple, while walking up to the temple, or more properly, while, while those pilgrims, different kind of pilgrims, still no buckles on their shoes, by the way, uh, but a different kind of pilgrim, while those Jewish pilgrims would walk to Jerusalem, while they would go to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. And it's a song that they would sing as they got closer and closer to remind them of God's care. Psalm 136 is also a song that's traditionally sung on the, at the Passover meal, on, on the day of, of Passover. After the meal, after the family is eaten, they open their books and they recite Psalm 136 together and they give thanks. And it reminds us of God's blessing and His care. We're going to do the first three verses again. Don't want to hear your voices. It's so important. And those of you joining us on the internet, feel free to, to uh, recite along with us as we recite Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. That's the great thing about Psalm 136. You can memorize half of it instantly. Instantly, you've got it now. You you go home today and someone says, what'd you do in church? You say, I memorized half of a psalm. That's incredible. That's amazing that you managed to get that done. But even better, as you read through Psalm 136, 26 times you hear that God loves you. You hear that He loves you with a love that endures, a love that never ends. You come away from this psalm with a sense of His love for you, His value for you. God doesn't just like you. God doesn't just care about you. God isn't there just in the good times. Instead, His steadfast love endures forever. As I've said, this is a psalm that is sung in call and response. One person would start and then everyone joins in in the second half. That's how the pilgrims would recite it on the way to the temple. That is, how, uh, that is how the worshipers would recite it with the priests in the temple. And to this day, that is how Jewish families recite it around the table after Passover. The leader will say the first half and then those others will respond. Those attending will respond with the second half. Verses 4-6. through six, To Him who, lo- who alone does great wonders, for His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who by understanding made the heavens... For His steadfast love endures forever. To Him who spread out the earth above the waters, for His steadfast love endures forever. 26 verses. 26 times you repeat those words. 26 times you are told that God loves you. You know, on any given day, you'll lie to yourself. And you'll lie to yourself hundreds of times. On any given day, you will tell yourself, I'm not good enough. You will tell yourself, I am not going to succeed. You will tell yourself, I cannot handle the challenges that are ahead of me. I don't have what it takes. And the problem with those voices in your head that tell you that is they never get turned down. They always just keep getting turned up louder and louder. And the longer we tell ourselves these negative things, the the louder and more intense they, they get. They invade our hearts. They invade our minds until all we ever hear from ourselves is who we aren't and what we can't do. Now, researchers have shown that it takes five positive thoughts to offset the damage that one negative thought does for you. And I know it sounds silly. And I know you probably wouldn't want someone catching you doing this. But if you can repeat to yourself positive, encouraging words to yourself, if you can say things to yourself like, I am strong, I am confident, I am up for any challenge that is ahead of me, these positive thoughts can get into you and they can change you. And beyond anything that you can say to yourself five times... What does God tell us 26 times? His love for you endures forever. One of the things you notice about Psalm 136 is the flow. It begins there with creation. Look at verses 7-9 through and hear the creation story. To Him who made the great lights, for His steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for His steadfast love. I'm not hearing you. For His steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. For His steadfast love endures forever. 
You look around, you see the beauty of creation. You saw some great sunsets in the last few days. Did you watch sunrises too? Yeah, see some great sunsets, sunrises. Some of you got up a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the night and you watched a lunar eclipse, right? Some people got up and watched the lunar eclipse. I waited till morning and looked at all my friends' pictures on the internet. They were absolutely beautiful. But yeah, you get up, you see that the beauty of those eclipses. You see the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset. And you think this is marvelous. This is amazing. God created this. He created this, the, the sun to rule the day, the moon at night. He created the stars. Not only created them, but the Bible tells us He named every star. Stop and look at how many we got up there. And He has named every one of the stars. And yet, the sun and the moon and the stars, they are not created in His image, as beautiful as they are. They are not the focus of His love. They are not that which inherits His kingdom. You are. See, it's not the sun, moon, and stars that have God's attention. It's you. And when He looks at you, He reminds you that His steadfast love for you endures. His love endures forever. You hear that phrase. You hear how the character of God's love is specified. It is steadfast love. Long before the pilgrims landed there on the coast of New England, off the coast of New England, in, in the year 1535, a man by the name of Miles Coverdale set out to translate the Bible into English. And he came to this Hebrew word for the love of God. It's a, it's a very specific word. In Hebrew, it's chesed. You have to say it like that. You can't stand too close to someone. You're the perfect distance, Donna. You can't stand too close when you say chesed because you'll get it. But that's the word for, for love, for this kind of love that God has here. And Miles Coverdale realized no one, there is no English word that captures everything that this word for love means. And so what did he do? He came up with a new word. <laughs> he smushed two words together. He took love and kindness and came up with loving kindness. And for a long time, our Bible said, His loving kindness endures forever. Modern translators sometimes say, His mercy endures forever. His covenant love endures forever. Or His steadfast love. Steadfast love endures forever. Verses twelve or 10 through 12 now. To Him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for His steadfast love endures forever and brought Israel out from among them. For His steadfast love endures forever with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For His steadfast love endures forever. Steadfast love, loving kindness, mercy, chesed, however it is that you say it, what does it really mean? You might think of it as a loyal love. A love that's born out of God's commitment to us. When God pledges Himself to us, He pledges His whole self to us. He pledges His whole identity to us. As long as God's covenant is maintained, His love endures. And since God does not break covenants, His love endures forever. Psalm 136 has a problem, though. Psalm 136 is beautiful. And Psalm 136 is just absolutely beautiful, but it's got a troublesome neighbor. Psalm 136 has a beautifully manicured lawn. I mean, everything just flows. The house is nice at 136. 
You know, the, 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 the landscaping's all done perfectly. Everything looks beautiful. Psalm 137, though, he's got a Chevy up on blocks out in front yard. Psalm 137 hasn't mowed in a very long time, and, and there's a weird smell coming from Psalm 137. You're not quite sure what it is, but you know it's not good. Psalm 137 is a troublesome neighbor. He's got a foul mouth. He plays his radio way too loud. Psalm 137 curses loudly and your children hear him cursing. He cries out. Psalm 137 verse 4, how shall we sing the songs of the Lord? How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Psalm 137 has been in prison in Babylon. He has been through the ringer there. And he sings in verses 8 and 9, O daughters of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed. Blessed shall he be who repays you with what you've done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. This psalm is, is angry. This psalm feels abandoned. This psalm, Psalm 137, the neighbor says, God wasn't there for me. And it confuses me. Because 136 is beautiful. And yet at some point in our history, some point years ago, an unnamed scribe or, or group of scribes took the 130, 150 psalms that we have today and they organized them. And someone, led by the Holy Spirit, I am absolutely convinced, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, let's put this one next to 136. And that's where it lives, right there next to 136. I have a feeling, though, that God positioned this neighbor as a reminder for us. I have a feeling 136 lives, or 137 lives here because it's a reminder that not every obstacle gets overcome. Not every river that's blocking our path is going to get split in two so that we can walk through on dry ground. Not every enemy gets struck down. Not every illness is healed. And in those times, when we're faced with a troublesome neighbor like that in those times when things don't go our way we shouldn't think we're any less in God's care in those times we shouldn't think that he cares any less for us that we're any less known by him or that God is any less committed to us because even then his steadfast love endures his steadfast love endures for us the psalm began with creation and then it continued on in the, in the Exodus story, the story of Israel leaving Egypt, uh, which is why this psalm is sung during the Passover celebrations. As Jewish families gather, they live out through the Passover meal. They live out the, this, the story of the escape from Egypt. They, they recount through the food and through the things that they read, the things that they say, the stories they tell, the songs they sing, they recount the story of God's commitment to them, leading them out of bondage of slavery and into the promised land. Not because they're worthy, but because God had promised, because of His love. Verses 13-16, through 16, to Him who divided the Red Sea in two, for His steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for His steadfast love endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and the host in the Red Sea, for His steadfast love endures forever, to Him who led His people through the wilderness for His steadfast love endures forever. This 
the next stanza after this one reminds people of the battles that took place to take the promised land. The next stanza lists names of kings and armies that were defeated. Great kings, mighty kings. Og, king of Bashan is, is listed. Og, big king Og, who slept on an iron bed 13 feet long and 6 feet wide. The armies of the Amorites. But whereas the first half of the psalm is creation, the middle is history, the stories in the last stanza are stories from their backyard. They could look out their windows and see where those battles had taken place and what God had done for them. You know, for several years, I would get invited down to the grade school here in Kansas to teach about Passover. I think the reason that I kept getting invited back is because I had a, I had a Seder plate. I actually own a, a Passover Seder plate and a few other items that are used during the Passover celebration. And so I'd go down to the fifth grade classroom and I would teach them about Passover. I would teach them about the, the ten plagues in Egypt. And I would teach them how to remember those plagues using the tips of their fingers. And by the time we were done, they'd remembered all, they could, they could recite all ten plagues. I would tell them about the last plague where the, the death of the firstborn. And I would talk about what the Passover meant, that the angel of death would pass over. I would tell them about the food that would be shared. Well, now the school never allowed me to go out and buy a lamb or slaughter it right there in front of them. Unfortunately, I think that would have been... No, I was fine. But, but we did have a few of the other foods. I made fifth graders, for several years, I made fifth graders eat horseradish. I mean, actual horseradish on crackers. And they, they did it anyway. They hated it, but they wanted to try it. They wanted to try the horseradish. And after teaching them about the Passover, the last thing I would do is pull out my Bible and tell them that every Jewish family sits around the table and recites Psalm 136. And I would start, and they would respond. I loved it. 26 times, the, the entire class would respond. His steadfast love endures forever. 26 times those kids heard the words that they were loved. That they're loved by God. No matter what. And I wondered how many, how many times a day are those kids told at home that they're loved. And I know that there are fifth graders who are not told that they are loved. For how many times, for how many of them, I wondered, was this the first time that they had ever heard that there is a God and that that God loves them? His steadfast love endures for us. God does not give up on us. His love only grows stronger, grows deeper, and when we pull away, He moves closer to us. And then, we jump ahead to December. And we celebrate what we'll be celebrating next year. God wrapped Himself in flesh, came in the form of a baby, was born into this world of a virgin. Why? Because His steadfast love... And because God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life because His steadfast love endures forever. And since His love endures... We endure forever. Okay, let's finish it up. I hear you loud and strong. Verses 23 through 26. I bet you don't even need the words up there by now. But we're going to leave them there for you. It is, he, it is He who remembers us in our lowest state for His steadfast love endures forever. 
and rescued us from our foes, for His steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His steadfast love endures forever. I've always wondered about this psalm. One of the things I've always wondered is, did this psalm grow with God's people? Well, was there a time when this psalm ended at verse 9? When all that this psalm was was the story of creation? And then was there a time later when the story of the Exodus and the Passover, when verses 10 through 16 were added? And in those last few verses, the story of the conquest, did that get added later? Probably not but I like to think about that. Did the, did the story of God's steadfast love continue to grow with His people? I don't think so, but I like to wonder about it because I know that the story of His love continues to grow with us. And I wonder what it would be like if we added our own verses. I wonder what it would be like if we added our own story, if we continued the song with our verses. Would you repeat those words with me again? Oh, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The one who saw us through the trials of 2020, His steadfast love endures forever. The one who walks with us through cancer, His steadfast love endures forever. The one who weeps with us over dementia, His steadfast love endures forever. The one that holds us tight through our depression. His steadfast love endures forever. One who carries us through hospice. His steadfast love endures forever. And the one who even even hears the prayers that we keep to ourselves. His steadfast love endures forever. Those verses may not exist in your Bible but I know where they do exist. I know that they're there. Because I know that Jesus is there. I know that Jesus is there in those dark nights, through those pains when you're not sure that you can hold on, that He's holding you in His steadfast love, that God always moves nearer. He moves nearer and nearer, and then He moves into your life through His Son. And His steadfast love endures forever. It endures for you. We come back week week after week and we remind ourselves of the gift of His love. And it's such a simple remembrance. It's It's just a cracker and some juice. And yet it endures. For over 2,000 years, people have been gathering like us. They've gathered in multitudes. They've gathered in small family gatherings, we gathered around our tables in 2020 and yet still knew that we were connected because His steadfast love endures forever. We've gathered in times when we're healthy. We've gathered in times when we're sick. We've gathered with, we've gathered with friends not knowing if this is the last time that we would gather. And His steadfast love is enduring. And so whatever's ahead, whatever's next, while we can't know, we can know that His steadfast love endures. Let me pray. I'm going to sing a song.
and we'll take together. Pray with me. Father, we give thanks to You for You are good and Your steadfast love indeed endures forever. And so, Father, we thank You for seeing us through a, another year. Another year to, to sing Your songs. Another year to trust Your presence. A year that we, we said goodbye to some friends. A year of trials. And a year with some joys. And we thank You for Your steadfast love. And we thank You that when we could come no closer to You, You came to us through Your Son. We remember His birth in the coming month. But Father, we also remember His gift again today. The breaking of His body, the shedding of His blood, and the way that His love was poured out for us. And thank You that as we gather today, we gather knowing that no matter what's ahead, Your steadfast love will be there to see us through. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.